I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Project Loving Myself podcast is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. The question will always open up the answer and the answer is waiting to be revealed. And it's always about knowing the right questions and it, the question can be, what do I want? You're listening to Project Loving Myself podcast, a well-being podcast that shares stories of self-love, mental fortitude, and self-discovery. Hosted by life designer and well-being coach, Sanaya Gurnamal. Hi, I'm Sanaya Gurnamal, and this is the Project Loving Myself podcast. Join me each week as we navigate through aha moments, new ideas, and flashes of insight from candid conversations that inspire you to get started on your own project of loving yourself. Because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship that you have with yourself. You matter. This is Project Loving Myself. Hi, everybody. This is Sanaya back on the Project Loving Myself podcast. Today's podcast is going to be a little bit different from some of the other episodes that I've done. Today, we're going to talk about sort of the mind and the limits that we put on ourselves. We're going to talk about quantum physics, and we're going to talk about some very interesting concepts that are really deep into coaching, spirituality, and well-being. So our topic today is really about becoming limitless. And I will be talking to John Herrera, who runs his own coaching program, teaching individuals how to hack life and live a limitless life, guiding them to create success in the field of entrepreneurship and money. In addition to transformative coaching, John has a lot of different titles. He's a serial investor, entrepreneur, professional content creator and podcaster, which these, you know, very different fields seem to merge perfectly together in the coaching services that he offers. John found his first love in music through hip hop and has been a former DJ before becoming a coach. Now today as a full-time business and life coach, John's vision and purpose is to serve others through his coaching, as well as through all the different projects and companies that he builds through investments. John says that his ultimate goal is to impact 10 million people by 2020 and have a profound impact on creating success for his clients and students. Are you excited about this? Does it sound interesting? Let's go ahead and get started on discovering how to hack life and become unlimited. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, what's up? How are you doing? (laughs) Pretty good. Pretty interesting intro. When I ever hear people say my intro, like, man, I did so many things. I'm like, what was I thinking? It's like, sounds so crazy. Anyway. You know, it's it's always interesting to see how other people see you. Because often the way we, you know, we see ourselves and the way somebody else views us can sound so completely different. Do you agree with that? 
Yeah, it seems like you know when you when you like perspective wise that when you when you look at other people you're saying you're doing too much when I'm like I'm doing too much. You know, it's just it's just it's just different. And I guess it's so normal for me to do things the way I do that it just blows my mind and I'm just like, Oh my god, I can't believe I did all these things. Still doing I still have a similar habit of doing multiple things at the same time. Multitasking or putting a lot yeah, on your plate. Very, very I'm very passionate about, you know, developing skill sets. <laughs> You know, I, I had a very similar moment a week ago. I was teaching a class and I was telling my students that I'm the type of person who always has so much to do all the time and I keep adding things. So there's never like, you know, a time where I have absolutely nothing to do unless I'm on vacation. I realized that I always have so much to do and it's about the fact that I keep thinking that I have so much time to do so much. It's not really like I can't finish my tasks. It's that I keep adding more because I think I can do so much in a limited amount of time. Limitless so, right there. <laughs> right? That's very limitless thinking. Limitless thinking. Although sometimes it gets me into trouble because yeah. I never feel like my to-do list gets uh, shorter. It seems to get longer. But thankfully, I really enjoy what I do. So, you know, I'm happy to, to have plenty to do in my daily life. That's the, that's the most important part. Absolutely. Totally agree with you on that. So, John, to kind of kickstart our conversation, I want to talk a little bit about your childhood. Okay, so John, you know how our parents tell us that what we do in school determines like our entire career, our entire life, and they make it so that there's so much pressure on doing well in school and then going to the right college and then, you know, finding the right job as if like all these decisions are going to be made so early in life. But, you know, you disproved all of these notions and you literally just like threw it out the door because I know you talked about the fact, you know, in your blog and, and other things that I've read about you, that you hated high school, you hated college, like you really just weren't engaged. And you were even sent to the principal's office for your rebellious attitude towards what you considered, and I'm quoting here, was an antiquated measurement of what success should look like. And that was being taught in schools at that time. So tell me about this rebelliousness that was, you know, within you. And why, why were you so disengaged from school? What was it about your upbringing, your childhood that you feel didn't give you the kind of education that you were perhaps seeking? So for me, I think, I don't think I was rebellious. I was more curious at the time. So my background is I have four sisters. I'm the only boy. And at that time, when I was like so young, we were in the Philippines and that time it was martial law. So my dad said, you know, we're going to LA. This is a city called Long Beach. You know, we're going to take you and your sisters. I'm going to bring your sisters first and, you know, mom and you will follow. So I'm like, whatever. When I get to Long Beach, Long Beach is like the hood. It's not what it is today. It's where a lot of rappers, Dr. Dre, Snoop, Warren G. That's, that's kind of my, my big influence from my rebel background is listening to rappers, listening to hip hop, super stories, and understanding for you to be great. You don't need to go to school. And you know, if you're listening to like Far Side, to Tribe Called Quest, to Puff Daddy, and all these different artists, they're saying very powerful words to you. They're making you believe in yourself. And I think I use that perspective to challenge my teachers in school. And when I hear about success, I didn't really 
I wasn't really impressed with success because I didn't know what it was. So I was constantly looking for the definition of it through reading books. You know, back then there was no self-help section. It was just, there was this weird section called metaphysics in some libraries and some you know bookstores, but I read everything just because I'm, I'm a thorough researcher and I like to prove data, read facts and read different authors. So when it comes to success and what parents expected from me, I think my parents basically say, you know, do what you love and make, you know, if it makes you happy and if you're having fun, that's what's successful. And I still today find that that concept to be true because you'll always be continuing to find your bliss, whether it's if it's DJing, you know, cooking, podcasting, it's a constant search. And for me, at a young age, I knew success wasn't what I saw out there in what it was on TV or in school because it didn't make me feel, it didn't get me excited, it didn't, you know, pique my interest. And I think part of being successful is you have to be engaged with that type of energy. So in terms of my influence, I think it would be a lot of hip hop rappers, music, DJs, and you know, movies. I love movies, you know, all these superhero movies now. I love the the fact that there's a superhero philosophy now and you can be your own hero. So definitely I'm a I'm a dreamer, but definitely not I don't fit in that square peg for, for me. That's actually a good way to describe it, that, you know, you, you just didn't fit into what was the norm of that time. But how old were you, John, when you were reading all these books on metaphysics? Because that's kind of uncommon. A lot of people do start getting into exploring, you know, these kind of concepts, but it's not so early on in life. So what led you to that? And how old were you at that point? I think what leads you to be curious is like, you have a desire. I mean, it starts with a desire. And at the time, I think it's like I wanted to hook up with a girl, basically. <laughs> you got to be like interested in something. And I was like, right. let, me read, let me read the books that can give me the most, you know, advantage. And, you know, Be- I read it. Best, best reason ever. Yeah. So you got to be inspired, first of all, to do something. And you have to have incentive. And basically, when you're like, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, you're thinking about girls. I was introduced to... Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, one of the first I would consider self-help books. And, and that's, that's where I started off. And what I used to do is I used to go to the back and research all the authors, the references, and look into every reference from every author. And I'd go into Jack Canfield the, you know, and all the, all the co-published books he did. I went through 30 books. So I would literally go become a detective and kind of like figure out what's the secret to success. I watch all the movies on secret to success, all these Hollywood movies, all these documentaries. And it would just, you know, be successful because I thought girls would like me at the time. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the secret of your success. It was Uh, all about you have to have you have to have an incentive. You have to have a endpoint. You have to go to the end. So tell me about, you know, being at that age. So, you know, you're in your early teens, you're reading, you're interested in girls, you're oddly enough, interested in success. Because again, you know, when you're you're a teenage boy, you're not thinking about success. I mean, you are thinking about getting girls, but I, I can't. I can't imagine a teenager going into you know those kind of books to find out the secret of 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 getting girls. So 
To me, it sounds like there was a little bit of like the universe also synchronistically putting you on this path to discover things that would lead you to where you are today. How do you feel about that? Do you think it was kind of something that you orchestrated yourself or was it like destiny? What are your thoughts about that? It's it's all of the above. I think that's my version of the alchemist. You know, it, it takes a girl to make you move and move mountains. But for me, I think visually, I didn't have a lot of, you know, like role models. So I would think my definition of success before when you're younger, you're thinking of just, you know, material things. And, you know, what you don't realize is those material things, you put that meaning into it. So you would project what you see on TV, music videos. And as a kid, I, I started to understand the concept of consciousness, you know, law of attraction, because shit was happening fast. I mean, things would happen. And it only takes so much time till you say, nah, that's not a coincidence anymore. I think there's like, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing a button somewhere where something's happening and something's, yeah. you know, something's clicking. So right. I, I started, you know, just, and yeah, the girls came to, and so you know, once you realize, you know, what can I use this power for? And after it's like a genie, like what your first time you wishes, you get it. Yeah. Then after like, what else can I wish for? And I think that's where you look for a deeper sense of, if I were given keys to the palace, what would I use it for? And, right. you know, how can I become a better person and help people at the end of the day? So definitely the alchemist story is, it was girls, that was the glint, uh, that was the smoke and mirrors. But for me, I think I felt very empowered when I could use it to help people and kind of understand who I can be and who I who I'm who I'm supposed to be. So that was very empowering at least like 11, 12, 13. I knew things that were happening already was coming. Maybe right. it's childlike intuition, but definitely I had that sense already of attracting things. Yeah, you know, it reminds me, John, when I also ventured into the law of attraction and I started practicing all these different techniques that I was reading about, I mean, things started to happen really fast. Uh and you know, they just, they just start flowing in and you're just having experience after experience. And I think you grow up really quickly through these experiences. And like you said, you start to realize that there's a lot more to just manifesting or creating abundance because that's the easy stuff. Hmm. It's more about how are you going to channel all this, you know, all this energy and all this information and, and perhaps also all this power and in the right way. So I definitely relate to that. But John, I also I also read that you were bullied quite a bit as a child by your classmates. How do you think that affected you? And what did that perhaps do for you in terms of personal growth? Well, when I was bullied, because back then, I don't know if you know these thrift stores where you buy like 10 cent shirts, very, very... Mm -hmm. All, all my clothes were from thrift stores. I didn't understand the concept of Chanel, Gucci, Louis Vuitton, because you're like 9, 10, 12. You don't understand brands. So I, I realized I was being bullied because they thought something of me, and I was probably not matching to their, you know, their coolness. But I think when I look back at it now, it wasn't about me. It was about them. You know, they're projecting their their whatever pain because they're probably, you know, having their issues. But it made me realize that why people do it and, you know, people who are hurt and who are damaged usually project that to other people. So I just 
that kind of also made me want to become a better person and how to help people who have that problem. It also gave me awareness that, hey, I want to dress better and also want to have nice things. I don't know necessarily what nice, nice things were, but it makes you also reach for something better like because you don't know what's out there unless right. people something happens. You don't know what's a Ferrari versus a Toyota when you're nine years old. So you kind of condition yourself to see what's good, what's not, what's luxury, what's supposed to be considered cool or not cool. And when you're when I was bullied, I just realized that you can look at it as a victim or you can look at it as like a, I call I call these past mistakes more of like knowledge learning events. Mm, <laughs> not mistakes. I like that. Not, not good or bad. Because in perspective, when you're older, you're never going to say it's a good or bad event because events change after time if you look at it at a different point of view. And right. you need you need the content and context of these events to define your future steps. And I could have bullied other people, which I didn't, but I was actually stopping other bullies from bullying other people. And mm-hmm. it kind of helped other people. And mothers used to go up to me in my in my grade school and say, you're a good guy, you're a good guy. And I'm like, okay, cool. So at least I knew I was a good guy. Right. So, so, so your, you being bullied, first of all, made you more sensitive and compassionate towards people. And then you went out and started to protect other people because you knew what it felt like to be bullied. So exactly. essentially, like every negative event, and I, I say this a lot, every negative event serves us in a positive way. And so, yes, you went through, you know, the bullying, but it made you more compassionate. And also I thought was really interesting, John, is, you know, you talked about shopping at the thrift store, but then you went on to become, a, you know, in retail, you went into fashion retail, you did a lot of work with brands. And I know you're someone who really does care about how you dress and what you wear. And there is a certain sense of style that you you carry with you. So how much of that being made fun of or bullied, do you think made you want to discover fashion or perhaps, you know, get maybe was it a way of proving yourself that, you know, no, I'm not that little kid from the thrift store, but that well, actually, I have. Yeah. Yeah. The fashion sense, I think what, what it gave me is confidence in myself that a, whatever I wore didn't define who I was, okay. but it gave me confidence that I can, get anything I want, whatever what people think I, I can. And I, and I also look at when I when, when I became a retailer in brands, I also wanted to inspire people through clothing because when I felt so nice wearing a nice shirt or nice pants, I like that feeling. And I don't know if women have that feeling. I think that happens with bags. but <laughs> And shoes. Yes, yeah, shoes. And I, dresses. I, I want, of course, yeah. I wanted to transfer that energy through my business. And if I couldn't, that was kind of like my philosophy for business. If I couldn't transfer that energy because I'm transferring that energy into channeling, into retail, whatever, into marketing or brands, even DJing, you want to see someone happy about your product, about your experience or service. And what drives me really to become, you know, next level is I always want to see people oh man, I just came from a club gig with DJ, like Johnny vs. DJ. I can't wait to go back. Oh, I want to buy all the shirts. And excited me because like, hey, that's my stuff. And I'm like, why do they want that stuff? And it's the way they feel. It's the way they experience themselves. And it really is about focusing on your inner voice and 
you just you know knowing your truth versus other people's bullshit you know Right. Knowing the difference. Absolutely. Now, I read somewhere that at age 23, you created your own innerversity. And I actually had to look up that word. And um, this is what I found. It it is defined by Merriam-Webster's dictionary. Your innerverse is one's unexplored mental universe that is rarely tapped into or explored. And in other words, when you are by yourself and a sudden deep realization of your life hits you, that's kind of like you exploring your inner verse. So I love the idea when I looked it up and I want to know more about it. Yeah. So this is probably when I was single, my inner verse was a lot of, a lot of inner verse. So <laughs> I think when you're, you're living with your, I was living with my mom and I was living in an attic. And at that time I had just basically all this R&B music and I kind of like, you know, vibing myself out. And you hear yourself more when you're not around people. And I think that's when you get thoughts of inspiration, feelings, sudden like channeling, you can call whatever, you know, godsend thoughts. And I, you start to trust it. You start to develop a relationship. Innerverse can also mean intuition. It can mean your inner voice. And, you know, even in scripture, it's all about the verse, the word, you know, it's that it's that frequency that you're trying to listen to and you're trying to, you know, hopefully gives you some good advice. And it's really a practicing of stillness. And I realized this later in life, you know, the conversation with that inner verse only happens when you're calm and still and you're in like that joy and you're in yeah. that pure love consciousness. And I was only feeling that when I would listen to Usher, you know, some TLC, and I was always getting these downloads and I would have like all these Catalina notebooks, just writing all my goals, my dreams, even if I didn't know it was gonna come true. And whatever was on this paper usually had happened. And that was like my inner verse. And that became my whole Johnny verse thing, my DJing too. So I think everyone has an inner verse. It's a matter of, are they brave enough to listen to it? and believe it. Oh, I love that. Are they brave enough to listen to it and believe it? Because yes, so, you can hear it and you don't believe it. Right. And, you know, people say this all the time to me. They're like, I have these, you know, intuitions or I have these kind of thoughts, but, you know, then I think I'm just imagining it. And I ask them, I say, you know, do you follow it? Do you act upon it? And most of the time people are afraid to do that because there's no basis in their mind. There's no logical basis. But I love that you said that, you know, everybody has an inner verse and everybody has that opportunity to explore that. So John, what are the, the ways that you recommend people start to get to know their own inner verse? Very simple. You always just have to ask yourself a question, get our paper and pen and just start writing what comes onto your mind. And it, the truth comes out because when you're in that kind of channeling mode, and you're not trying to let the ego control the situation, the question will always open up the answer and the answer is waiting to be revealed. And it's always about knowing the right questions. And it, the question can be, what do I want? And you just keep on asking the same question. What do I want? What do I want? And the answers come out and you're like, whoa, I didn't know I want all, all this stuff. Next right. thing you know, it's popping out into your 3D world. Yeah, sometimes the the best person to learn from is yourself. Exactly. All the answers are within. We just got to keep going into it. And I think we run out of patience or we think we can't get in touch with ourselves or we have all these excuses 
and distractions for running away from, I think, our own truth, which is mm-hmm. there in our inner verse. So I also completely um, relate to that. Now, who were the authors that you read, John, that really impacted you? You mentioned Jack Canfield. What were like some of those books, perhaps classes, seminars, things that you feel really greatly influenced your story? I would say Jack Canfield because I attended his seminar. I was at 2006. I never had attended a seminar. It was a three-day seminar, Arizona. It was not cheap. It was like $10,000. But I'm wow. like, hey, I'm taking my sister. We're going. This is a sign, of, sign from the universe. And that's where I started to learn more about awareness, consciousness, and other authors. Because I thought he invented all this, you know, wow-woo stuff. And when I read his books, it would always be a quote of a person like, you know, Neville Goddard, Walter Watkinson, Joseph Murphy, and Christian D. Larson. And I would look at all these 1960s, 1950s older authors, and I and I kind of listened to it like, what are they saying? They sound so weird. You know, it's kind <laughs> of like Bible talk and like it's like old English, like Shakespeare. And I started to appreciate it after because I wasn't listening, you know, it was kind of like a parable and a clue. And I always believe, you know, life is a game. It's it's totally a game. It's like you're in a, you know, 3D, you know, you're in your own simulation. And I feel like they're giving you clues. And if you don't take these hunches from the universe, you've got to deepen your knowledge by just being around that 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 voice or scripture or whatever book or audiobook, and you start to hear it. And I didn't get it until maybe reading the book 10, 12 times, Wayne Dyer 10, 12 times, Abraham Hicks still today doesn't make sense. So yeah, so spirituality takes practice because you need sparring partner for that and you need to get punched in the face sometimes to kind of learn. So I would say Wayne Dyer on my top three list, Neville Goddard, still very recent. I still listen to him just because he's his stuff is practical and his stuff works for me the most. If you're, you know, want to get into this, that world. I love Jack Canfield because he was, he made it so simple. And the whole Joseph Murphy and all those guys are pretty good. Oh, I listen to Florence Scovel Shin a lot till today. So they're not new, they're not old, but yeah. they're timeless. Oh, oh. All the authors you mentioned are like, really, we're talking old school. So Jack Canfield is the whole chicken soup for the soul series, right? And then Joseph Murphy is the power of the subconscious mind, though. That's a really good one. But some of the other authors you mentioned also are quite, you know, Wayne Dyer is not even alive anymore, though he was quite a force back then. I remember reading a lot of things from Wayne Dyer, but also something you said, you know, you talked about how when you ask yourself the questions and you just stay in that quiet space and the answers come and the channeling and the inspiration comes. And that reminds me of another author. You're probably familiar with Neil Donald Walsh, who wrote Conversations with God. And really his his whole series was about someone who would just sit there in his quiet space and all these thoughts started to come in, like you mentioned, and, and then he would write. And those were the answers coming directly from God. So... Just it was reminding me of a lot of things that I've come across actually in my own journey of getting into spirituality and well being. But at the same time, you've been quite entrepreneurial and really, huh? I've seen you be quite like. 
goal-oriented and career-oriented. So you've had a clothing line, you know, retail brands, you've launched a status magazine. So how do you kind of bring these two different directions together? So I hear, you know, this really one side of you, which is it's very deep and it's really about spirituality and, you know, becoming limitless and getting in touch with your intuition. And then there's the other side of you that's entrepreneurial and it's about like creating wealth and success. And how do you bring these two sides of you together? I think the general concept I learned about like how to make that world, actually no one was doing it. No one could actually talk about spirituality and talk about materialistic things before. I think I saw Russell Simmons Mm-hmm. He was the founder of Def Jam, Fat Farm. He was kind of the guy who kind of introduced me to spirituality and that world, whether it was music, fashion, hip-hop, moguls, you know. And he was a guy who was – he started Def Jam, one of the first hip-hop record labels, and Fat Farm, which was also a fashion label. I believe if you're in that, you know, limitless or metaphysics, that's just the part that you got to combine with the reality you want to create. And you take those tools and you craft your vision, whether if you want to be a lawyer, a DJ, a producer, or accountant. But I think my story is very different because I was influenced with, I was in, I was very influenced by moguls who do multiple things, which is, you know, entertainment, retail, marketing, big things. And at the end of the day, I realized it's just mastering energy. It's just knowing how to resonate with people. And I learned that when I first realized I wanted to be a DJ, it was, I think, 1992. And there was this DJ who was playing records in our in our house. And everyone started dancing. I'm like, whatever he did, I want to do. And it was because he knew about frequency. And, and people think, oh, it's so easy to become a DJ. All you got to do is play the hits. I go, no, it's not. You got to understand frequency. You got to understand, you know, what people like and what certain, you know, records make girls dance, make guys dance, and what emotions you create. And that's the same philosophy I would bring into retail again, whatever entertainment, music festivals. I always look at it at a at a holistic, energetic point of view because more than lot if if i would say if i don't have my full heart in the business energy it would fall apart but the ones i would be very passionate about engage you know very it it was very close to my heart it would it would take off effortlessly you know there's um there's a saying john where your mind goes where your thought goes energy follows god yeah i agree you're right yeah, so I think with my business, it was just, I would say, a creative expression. And I would see people doing things, and I would say, you know what? I want to do something bigger. I want to do something different. I want to do something that's not done. And I, I think being a first mover in different industries develop confidence, develop a lot of – actually, what inspired me is when I used to see kids and say, oh, my God, you started this, you started that, you started that. And I, I look at it today and I see, you know, I would say the mutated versions of who they are today. And I contributed to that, to their success. And whenever I started even my companies, I hired so many people and interns. I'm like, 
you're all going to read The Secret first week. You're all going to read Brian Tracy. You're all going to read Wayne Dyer. And that was kind of like my intro to the law of vibration, resonance, frequency. And I go, if you guys don't feel good, I don't want the energy in this room. And I would always be very clear on the energy I'd want to take out, whether if it was a magazine cover or if it was hanging out with Steve Aoki or, you know, shirts I would buy for a store. It was always a conversation about energy. And once they got it, you know, I think they got it. You know, they understand, ah, oh, this is effortless too. And that was kind of what, what I was obsessed with, teaching kids who are younger, more hungrier about becoming successful through, you know, the mentalism, love, vibration, and feeling good. And that's, that's really what I, I loved when I was doing when I was younger. Now, before we get to the next question, we're going to be right back after this short break. Yo, what's up? This is Real Talk Darbs. Join me as we talk about life, love, relationships, and hear me drop wisdom bombs on every talk. Do check me out in Wisdom Bars with Real Talk Darbs Podcast. That's Wisdom Bars with Real Talk Darbs Podcast, now part of Podcast Network Asia. Check me out. Yalla bye! You know, so you're talking about like spirituality being married with materialism as not being like two separate things, but rather that, you know, as we live in our in our lives, that we should be using these concepts and ideas through this this notion of the innerverse or spiritual philosophies and that we can use it and bring it into our reality and that it should kind of be the thread that that pulls everything together, not something separate. Like it should really be part of our daily life. And it's not about picking one side or one aspect over the other, but just integrating it all as one way of living. So that's what I'm hearing you say. And I also noticed that you were, you know, you were already inspiring the people who work for you, which means you were doing this coaching and teaching other people to be limitless even before you decided to become a coach. So how did you make that shift from, the businesses that you were doing. Cause you know, when I met you, John, when I moved to the Philippines and I met you, I, I met you as a DJ, you were doing a lot of different businesses and we knew each other socially, but I don't think I ever had a conversation with you about any of these things, which is so interesting because I've been practicing and believing in so many of the things that you're talking about this whole time for the last decade that I've been here, this is really how I live my life. This is what I believe, but we've never had that conversation. So it's only like when you made that shift and I started to see you, you know, it's in social media, your website, your blog, and you started to actively refer to yourself as a coach, as someone, you know, doing this kind of work. So how did that happen? I think the title of coach, I think everyone is a coach because you're, you're technically coaching yourself. Mm-hmm. And to understand the different techniques, philosophies, I think even uh, you know the different NLP, all these modalities, it has one intention. It's kind of just trying to uncover the truth. So just for, you know, for formalities, getting a, a coaching license or whatever kind of just validated just to say I was you know, a coach. But definitely younger, I knew I was coaching people already. And I, you start to develop a style. And what everyone usually had a problem with, and I noticed, was usually about the, the worthiness, you know, and money, and just like how to build abundance. And 
I think the best people who can give you know that type of you know clarity, not really advice because coaches don't give advice, is people with experience. And I was just again curious on what people were going through because I didn't have a point of view of what they were going through. And I was just more curious, like how would it, how would I feel if I coach people, and if it's a business, if it's a personal relationship. And eighty percent was just asking questions and them figuring that little thread a tug on it and they i don't even like coaching people for a long time because i feel like if i'm coaching you for a long time i haven't done my job and i think that's where you go into mentoring and giving them real life real life coaching you know which which is above and beyond and just that's where you develop that mentorship level so that that shift basically started just when people started asking me for help (laughs) and i was doing it as a consultant, I was doing it for free. I was doing it for other companies, for trainings. And there was just, and again, the universe was saying, you got to do this. And I, I did it just for an experience uh, as a curious mind. And how did that feel? How did that feel to get your coaching license and to start doing that, this kind of work compared to you know the more corporate or the more marketing, brand management, that kind of work? How did it feel? I definitely understood that corporate world because I was, I've never worked corporate, which is not a bad or good thing because I've never had like my entrepreneur life would be hustler, but I, I, I like to work a lot to a point people think working hard, but I'm not working hard. I'm just very inspired, engaged in my work. You know, people would say, yeah, John, you DJ till four in the morning, but you're in the office as at, at eight and they're still getting home at six and come home at one. And I realized that I was just super inspired with my work. And I understood like, oh, that's what you're going through now. I didn't understand their point of view. And they just had a, what I realized is that, especially people I coach, they just had a certain paradigm about themselves that I had to break. And it kind of had to break that limited aspect and create a a new version of, of themselves. And you're always creating a new version of yourself, regardless, you know, what you think or not. And I felt pretty empowered. And I think that, you know, that is something that everyone should do. If you're a business leader or owner or a parent, you know, you're coaching all the time as a parent. <laughs> so I would definitely say that it made you feel like a, a superhero in sense because you have special you know, questions you can ask to go deeper and understand people's situation and give them more clarity. Yeah, absolutely. I think honestly, coaching is is like a life skill. Like if you can figure that out, then you can probably get the best out of your employees. You can definitely shape your children in a way that they will become very, you know, highly functioning individuals you know, who have a lot of confidence and have, you know, healthy self-esteem. I also think that you know, coaching people who are around you, whether it's your family members, the people who live in your house, or or even just strangers who you chat with, you know, you're doing it all the time without even realizing it when you understand this process of asking questions and helping people to get to their own answers that way. Now, you developed this philosophy of becoming limitless, like something that's very specific to the kind of coaching that you do and the kind of programs that you offer. So can you go into that a little bit? What is this idea of becoming limitless all about? I used to, well, again, well, I used to listen to Wayne Dyer and he used to use that word a lot. 
And I think he had like a book, I think it was spiritual solution to every problem. And that stuck to me. I was in Florence and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna start a company and I'm gonna start this coaching company. I'm gonna do all this. This is how it's gonna look. He's kind of like visualizing everything. I wanna help people. And that was kind of like a word just that stuck to me. It was like, you gotta write this and this is gonna be your ethos. You know, this is gonna be your DNA. I was already kind of like living it, but I wasn't branding it myself. And I has a lot of power behind it. And I, I wanted to give some people an experience of what it meant to be. And for me, Limitless is, you know, it's all about, I don't know if you've ever watched this movie, Hook, by Steven Spielberg. Yes. P Peter Pan. Yeah. So I don't know if you remember when Peter Pan became old, became Robin Williams, and he forgot how to fly. And he goes, you know, Peter Pan, you know, how do you fly? He goes, think happy thoughts, think happy thoughts. And for me, I think limitless to me is knowing how to use that energy of happy thoughts, joy, and creating anything, anything you want. And not just anything within this menu or this area, just anything. And I like to stretch that, that boundary of anything and everything because I've seen people do it. I've seen people do it better. And that, that, that road to limitless is, I would say, more about uncovering your blocks, your ego, and kind of understanding your, your light and dark side exist together in harmony. Because sometimes when you're younger, you're so angry at the world, you want to become a victim when you realize, you know, there's more to, to manage your feelings by understanding why you have these energies. And... And you can transcend things. You can create miracles. And I've seen I've seen miracles. I mean, it would seem like a normal story, but I've seen miracles. I've experienced miracles. But I think people don't see the potential themselves, which I would love to spark that type of conversation with people because people always think they're a victim, especially today. I mean, especially today, people need that, that inspiration. And that's the kind of message I wanted to deliver. And it's like, yeah, you can do it. It's easy. Come on. You know, get off your ass. <laughs> and that's it. No whining, no bullshit. Just let's get it done, you know. Focus on that energy, you know. Forgive, release, whatever you need to do. But don't give up. And that's kind of really been my motto is, like, never give up on that. What we really want. Because I, the worst, I think, fearfully, is, like, the worst thing is to, to live old and say, you know what? I have no cool stories to tell my kids because I was a pretty boring, safe father. And I don't right. want that. <laughs> right. Because that's just regret. John, so tell me, how does it work with someone? I mean, you've given me kind of an idea of the kind of encouragement and support that you give someone, you know, you're trying to get them to get moving. You are sort of, you know, helping them along in terms of motivating them and so on. But what are kind of the intricacies of what you do with an individual in terms of the coaching work that you do? Like, how do you really get to the bottom of what is keeping them limited or stuck? And what kind of methods do you use to help them get out of that and recreate this new version of themselves? Well, I see, well, from what I see, I, I see a lot of people trying to motivate people. And I don't know if that works for people, but when you're younger, you think that's the only way to get results done through action, you know, 10X, hard work. And as you're older, you're becoming more resourceful. You're understanding your power. 
and you know how to do things more effortlessly. And my process is very, very, very simple. I just said, you know, what is the end in mind? And kind of being very clear on your crystal end goal. And the vision is different from the end goal. What is the end goal? And they don't realize they want, they're focusing on everything else but the end goal. And if they understand, go to the end, what does that feel like? And just stay there and focus on that. Don't focus on the problem. Don't focus on the how. Because I, I always focus on the what comes before the how. And if you focus on the what, the feeling, the frequency, and this goes into physics, quantum physics, you know, the observation effect. If you know how to train your feelings to subconsciously imprint the feeling, things will be drawn to you faster than light. And that has been more of, from practicing, I, I would believe that is my best effective way. Your feelings are more powerful than your thoughts because your feelings are energy and everything is energy, of course. And for me, energy always trumps everything. Energy right. vibes everything. And if right. you understand that quantum physics point of view, and to simplify that, is that everything exists. And if you can just go to that space and that feeling, how would it feel like? How would it feel like? How would it feel like? And they're like, yeah, it would feel really good. Okay, just stay there. Just stay there. And train them to enjoy the moment and savor it. And just to treat themselves a little bit better with love, you know, empathy. And they don't because they have a, a voice that's not, you know, that's that's going crazy. And if they can stick to being consistent with that conversation, they will see results. So basically, if I were to simplify what you're saying is you are helping people to essentially tune into the feelings of what it would feel like to have their end goal already be in existence. So let's say if somebody wanted to make a lot of money, right? Mm -hmm. So you would essentially help them achieve that feeling or that state of being in the plenty or being in that abundance mindset and to feel like, you know, they've got plenty of it. And if they can imbibe those feelings of what it would feel like to be at their goal, then their goal comes just a lot closer to them. It's a lot more achievable. It's more in their reach because they now have the feeling that allows the experience to come into their space. Correct. It's also not the feeling. It's more of the acceptance because sometimes they try to fool themselves that they're feeling it, but they haven't accepted it. And that's where you have to kind of like surrender and stop trying to figure out like, uh, oh, no, it's not going to work. Uh, uh. No, you got to accept it. I think part of the feeling is training your mind to get out of the way. It's like, get out of the way. I'm going to handle this. You know, feelings, it's done. It is done. Let it happen. It is done. And if you can, because this is what I used to do. When I, I don't know if you remember first club, embassy. There's three clubs. There's embassy, little cafe called cafeteria and there was like flyer encore four years ago before i actually met eric i would write down i want a cafe i want a club i want a restaurant it was cuisine write it down write it down maybe every every day for a good two years i met eric kua who owned temple he goes yo i want to meet up with you i got a project i was like okay meet me in this space and bgc or it's not bgc it's called bonifacio global city he goes oh what is this this is a club it's like okay cool so I'm part of it. He was like, yeah, do you want to be part of this club? And because this is the cafe, this is the restaurant, this is like the second floor. 
I said, yes, no problem. You know, people don't realize I attracted that, but people think I had to hustle or do all these crazy things. No, I would just clear what I exactly wanted. And I slept every night just holding that paper beside my bed because I would fall asleep to that feeling knowing it already happened, not wanting it, it already happened. It or it's done. And people don't like, huh, what do you mean it already happened? No, it's done. Let's not talk about it. And people can't let go of the, wait, I got to check. I, I don't see it. And that's where faith comes in. You got to be faithful to your dreams and you got to stop picking and, you know, mess around with everything. Just trust it. And interverse practice requires you to trust yourself and your emotions. I think a lot of people, what they don't understand is how easy it is to create your life if you only knew what you wanted and you put it out there. You know, if you said, this is what I want and you focus all your thoughts and energies that that that's exactly, you know, what you want and you've already created it on some level. And it reminds me also of something else that a lot of people are in the state of, I want this, you know, I want to have this. But when you're in a state of want, it means you don't have it. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's hard to get from a I want mindset to actually having something. But if you go from an I already have mindset, like mm-hmm. I already have this goal, I'm already there, then it's just a matter of time for it to show up. And so these Great. are really like secrets of the universe that are there, you know, they're 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 in books. It's like the books you've read. It's out there. People talk about these things. You know, there's people like you and there are a lot of people who are very much clued into all of these secrets, but a lot of people have difficulty accepting it. And like you said, John, you know, sometimes people get into their, get in their own way and they have difficulty accepting. So why do you think that's the case? What makes it so difficult for people to accept this to practice it, to start living this way. What have you seen with your clients? Anyone that doesn't accept it usually has a paradigm that they don't deserve it. There's a subconscious belief, again, that they're carrying from childhood, and a lot of people carry it, that they don't deserve it, that you know, that their I am-ness, their, their worthiness, they, like, why me? And they're, they're not willing to let go of their old identity and that old identity is also the ego willing to like, no, I need to be this way because I'll lose my identity of as a victim. So technically, when you're becoming limitless, you're a whole different person. And a lot of people love to be, you know, miserable. They're addicted to that fear. They're addicted to the victim excuses because that's they, they get attention from that. And imagine all of a sudden you're not feeding it. That, that the subconscious knows, I was like, oh, someone's trying to change something in my world. I'm going to fight for it. And you got to practice. You got to practice these feelings. And a lot of people, like you said, it's in movies, it's in TV, it's in books. But who's, who's willing to practice? Who's willing to train? And that's where it gets tricky for some people. Like, would you go fast for 24 hours to become a millionaire? You're like, nah, I can't do that. I love my Jollibee too much. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's, it's a fa- I'm not saying it hurt. It's a sacrifice that it has pain, but you're not willing to cut out what's not good for you. 
Yeah. So people are generally stuck in comfort zones mm -hmm. and sometimes their comfort, their comfort zone is the misery, the unhappiness, the not having enough, the being a victim. And it's scary, right? It's scary for people to take responsibility. It's scary to be accountable for your own life. It's scary not to have anyone else to blame that it's all on you. Mm -hmm. And I think having all that power can be overwhelming and intimidating. And sometimes people don't want to do that work. But how do you motivate them to do the work? How do you maybe guide people to see this potential in themselves that they're not able to see? We anchor it with what's the most important thing in our life. It can be a child. It can be the mother. It can be their partner. And just when they realize that if you don't change, you're putting that person at risk. And when they realize that potential where they can set up something better for that person they're willing to work but they're not willing to do it for themselves you know right. people are more selfless to say i'm going to do everything for my child but not for me but if you're going to put my child at risk i'm going to change i'm going to stop smoking i'm going right. to start eating right i'm going to start saying affirmations and that's when they take themselves seriously and it takes some time it can be a breakup it can be a bankruptcy it can be anything that kind of shocks them in their life and say hey you're ready Let's 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 do this, yeah. and they gotta they realize that people depend on them and people love them, and that that's kind of like the cocoon journey from caterpillar to butterfly, where like I'm the shit now, you know. But yeah, <laughs> it's just knowing themselves better, and you have to anchor it what they love or someone that they love, because that's really what I saw that changes people is they have to love themselves first before they can love someone else more and they're like oh i didn't know this it's like a game like i said it's a game and life, it's just yeah life is a game <laughs> it's you know it's, it's a game it's like it's pretty simple but you know like any game you die multiple times before you get to the end and it's the same yeah. process like you you're, you're shedding old skin you're you're killing your old ego and your old self and you're not the same person 10 years ago because that person is bye-bye because it's not good for the evolution of consciousness. And people realize that. And once you get the spark and those principles about feeling, it's simple. They know how to master thought, feeling, intention, and everything flows. It's just like unclogging a pipe. That's it. Right. So you're, when you say anchor, you're talking about sort of giving them a reason, you know, mm -hmm. some reason that's going to, that, that's going to, it's like, you know, they keep their eye on that ball and that ball is the reason that's going to move them forward. And, and I, I see that, you know, sometimes people do, do need something other than themselves to motivate them to do something good for themselves. It can be a pet. I mean, people do pet. pets. They don't even have kids. They're like, oh, I would never let that happen to my shih tzu. And they're like, okay, I'm going to change now. But because they love the pet more than themselves. Yeah. But I think just the thought of something happening to that pet, if they don't change, right. something that can happen. And they see that potential. When they see that, the subconscious gets shaked up. And they're like, okay, I need to change. They decide now for themselves. They take accountability and they, you know, they march forward. How does this connect, John, to self-confidence? Is this also the way people would build upon their, their, their self-confidence? Yeah, I think for self-confidence, again, it's the way you talk to yourself. A lot of people, especially in culture, you know, Filipino culture, other culture, hear a voice that can be an echo of how their parents talk to themselves or their mom. And sometimes those voices aren't good for you. 
technically, if it's like a naggy mother or like abusive, whatever, I'm not saying it's bad or good, but you tend to believe it. That's what happens when you believe it, it starts to manifest the wrong things. And I think with confidence, if you don't know how to change it, and when you do know how to change it, you build that like a layer of confidence. It's like more of a belief of themselves. And confidence is what's going to give you that bravado, that courage to reach out for something better. And again, when you learn that inner voice, the authentic voice, or what you call it, your higher voice, you become more powerful. You step into their power and you, you go into that danger zone. I'm like, you know what? I trust. I'm going to go out, go for it. And that's where you get that that, that confidence. You start to double down on yourself. And when you win, you, you definitely get the confidence. But when you lose, I think what's good confidence is when you failed and realize I didn't fail. And it's just a learning knowledge lesson, I would say. And that gives you more confidence because you can walk away from anything and you're like, mm, whatever, I got this. Right. And I think I, that's, that's what I would try to teach people. Like, you know, the most important voice that you should be caring about is your, your voice. That's it. Your inner voice. And also you mentioned the sort of that perspective, shifting mm-hmm. perspectives from, you know, what was, what would be termed a mistake to an opportunity for learning or growth or so on. And I think that's Great. also very, very important. How about limiting beliefs and negative thoughts, John, a little bit on your understanding of that? For me, limiting beliefs, I think as a process in this game of life, it's very... It's part of the process. You need to come from a limited point of view to learn your powers. It's just like you play, you know, I don't know if you play these video games, you power up, you get more armor, you get more, a bigger gun, you get a bigger sword, but you challenge each level of your life with nothing. Like resourcefulness is like gives zero. And part of that process is dissolving that limiting belief. Although that belief you think it's true, like, I'm not enough, I'm stupid, I don't have money, I don't have a car, I don't have cool clothes. You believed it because you emotionalize that. And once you learn how to create another conversation to yourself and have a better feeling, the paradigm shift happens again. You become a new person. And that's part of the negative voices, negative emotions you bring on as an older version of you and everyone has to go through that older version because you start to develop what you call knowledge with them. And you you basically, you know, connect to source without having to be, I have to see everything. I need to know everything. And that again, you know, limiting beliefs, I think the major limiting belief for people is just that they think they're bad or they're not good enough. And that's yeah. very general. But if you think they're not good, you're gonna you're gonna get things that are going to reflect that belief. And the universe is kind of like a 3D printer. It will give you what you believe. And if right. you don't do that inner work, shadow work, or, you know, figure out like, why are these things still happening to me? You know, like girls would say, why do I keep on dating these guys? I'm like, you got to figure out your belief system first before, you know, victimizing yourself again and saying it's his fault. And I think that goes to responsibility. You have to swallow your ego and say, I'm responsible for everything because you take your power back. And when you do, you're back into your zone of being more confident and understanding. If I created that, I can create a solution. And I always believe that. 
So it's basically also understanding that you got to change that inner dialogue that's happening because so much of our not of our inner dialogue is like negative self-talk. Mm-hmm. But if instead we start speaking to ourselves like in our own head with a very different kind of tone, you know, one that is much more positive, uplifting, believing in yourself and so on, you're going to mirror that out into your world and you're going to create experiences that are probably going to give you exactly what you want instead of the same loop or pattern that you've been struggling with for a long time. So that that totally makes sense, though I feel that sometimes people, I don't know whether it's just easier to, it's easier to, to blame the world. You know, it's easier to say, I can't do anything about it. I just have mm-hmm. to kind of accept how it is, but I'm glad that you're here on the podcast to, you know, to, to remind people that all that power is within them. You know, they have the ability to change the experiences that they're creating in their life. And it's all from what's going on in their inner verse. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very powerful concept also for people to grasp from today. Now I'm going to switch gears a little bit, John, and I want to talk to you a little bit about your well-being. So what do you do to take care of your personal well-being what do you do for self-care and is there in particular you know ritual that you follow anything that you do for yourself self-care i mean i think aside from food as your diet and just eating really clean and well i think again you have to have a mental diet to really filter out you know if you really want good things to happen to you you have to think every thought is as powerful or as valued as a, as a pound of gold. And I think people devalue any type of thought and just say, yeah, it's just a thought. I'm just thinking whatever. And they don't realize it's kind of like you're putting out these energy, regardless if no one's listening, regardless if you're just in your bed, you have to give more value to what you say to yourself on and off. And I realized this within the last five years that there isn't just because I'm alone, people don't hear me. No one can hear me, but the universe can feel me and when the universe feels me that a surprise and you're like man i should not have done that so i think for mental diet i would really look at you know just i go through three blank you know katleya just to write down what i want and practice that just for mental exercise just to know your focus it's not a goals list because i used to think goals was was the right way it was more of like I already decreed it. I already accepted it. It's going to happen. And just reminding myself. And every time I see it on paper, I enjoy a feeling of it done. So that was my process. Just like, oh, man, wouldn't it be cool? I always have that thing. Wouldn't it be cool if I got that? How would I feel? Rather than making it so serious. And, you know, that's what I try to teach my son. It's just like ask him questions. How do you feel? Is it fun? You know, so I think my mental wellness is really have fun and drink a lot of water because water is one of the underrated things to keep you healthy. <laughs> it's not true. medicine, it's not vitamins, water and sun. And even like the belief of all these COVID and whatever health, you can change those frequencies in your body if you have a proper mental diet, changes your vibrational diet and your, you know, water is 80% of your body or 90% of your body. And that's it, just keep it simple. You don't, you know, very simple. Amazing. Now, John, what is your project loving myself mantra? What is that one thing you believe or you say to yourself that makes sure that you are, you know, prioritizing yourself or that you're really making sure that you're loving yourself in your life? 
for my mantra, it would be like, I am enough. If I'm listening to hip hop music, I'll be like, I'm the shit. But you know, <laughs> it's like, it's a different vibe. But I think I'm satisfied. That's something I'm very keen on. Just saying, if you're satisfied and you're done, like, oh man, I'm so satisfied with this. That's just good enough. Like you get more of that good enough. Cause some people, when they're not enjoying, you know, they're not, they're celebrating, but they're not, oh man, I want something bigger. I want something better. You've got to enjoy your wins and you got to kind of like marinate it to enjoy and kind of savor it. And that that's something I didn't take time to do before. Because if I imagine all the memories, I'm like, oh man, this like I can spend a whole day just daydreaming. But I didn't take, I think I, I heard this from Michael Jackson. He goes, you got to slow down because life goes down so fast, like you can't, you got to savor the moments. And I think for, for me is enjoying, am I living in bliss? Am I living my truth? And am I having, I mean, amazing fun. I think I'm amazed. I'm, I'm always like, I gotta have, it's gotta be amazing. It's gotta be fantastic. I use words to excite me because that's kind of like, I want to, I want that to happen in my life. Like, oh my God, that's so exciting. So I, I script that, you know, that's my morning scripture, just thinking and believing it and writing it down. Wow, John, that was really inspiring. I especially liked what you said about savoring the moment and acknowledging what you do have in your life. And sometimes we're so busy, we forget to do that. So that was a really good reminder as well. Thank you, John, for your time. And thank you for all these really interesting ideas. I think it was was really some great things for people to really think through, to perhaps ask themselves some questions upon and, and really start to explore. I love that message is really explore your inner verse, get to know yourself better and realize that you have the ability and power to create whatever you dream about. And so I think that was something that our listeners can really benefit from. Now, John, would, would you like to share with our listeners how they can reach you, how they can follow you? So if you can share that and any last messages that you have for them? I don't post so much on Instagram anymore because I'm busy with that child, but my Instagram is Limitless John. So you might not think I do coaching. So I usually focus now with business owners who want to just scale their business or help, you know, build their team or like kind of like re clarify their vision because a lot of business owners don't know what they want. And I, I work with business owners now and I'm actually, I'm not, I'm not taking any clients anymore because <laughs> it's a lot of work, but yeah, I think for me, you know, hearing, you know, you do this stuff, I, I think I was doing this stuff at 2003 and people are thinking, I'm so weird for doing a podcast. I'm, I'm just so happy people like you are actually, you know, giving more awareness to this type of world, whether if I'm from like entertainment or nightclub or fashion and people need it. I think uh, I just want to congratulate you guys for really stepping up when you guys came here. You guys were really like, hey, someone's putting a flag on, you know, the soil and saying, hey, we're going to be working on your spirituality and your chakras. I'm like, yo, <laughs> align those chakras. So it's great <laughs> to see you guys really help the community. You bring that light, that energy, as well as a lot of people need healing and you can feel it. You can feel that release and more power and love to you and more success. Thank you so much, John. It was great to have you on the show. Yes. Bye guys. Take care. What did you guys think of that? I mean, there were some really interesting concepts that I felt we you know, talked about a little bit. I definitely really enjoyed talking about the inner I think it's just such a great idea 
that we are all here to explore our innerverse and that we can get to know ourselves better and that we can learn to trust our intuition. I like also how he talked about life being a game. And really, if we started to approach life as a game and it was an adventure, we're having fun, we're meant to enjoy it, maybe we wouldn't get so bogged down so much with responsibilities and you know, what we consider our setbacks or failures. What if we're just going through level by level and eventually we're going to get to the top or get to that end goal? And do keep in mind, as he said, that it's not about how you're going to get somewhere or what needs to be done to get you there. It's really about what that end goal is. So asking yourself that question, what is my end goal? What is my purpose? What do I really want out of my life? I think that this episode really sparked a couple of those questions for our listeners out there. And I would love to hear what you thought of what John had to say. Let me know what you think on at Project Loving Myself podcast on Instagram and Project Loving Myself on Facebook. You can also write to me directly at Sanaya Gurnamal. That's S-A-N-A-I-Y-A-H-G-U-R-N-A-M-A-L. You can follow at Sanaya Gurnamal on all social media channels. Now I leave you with the Project Loving Myself thought for the week. You can never meet your potential until you truly learn to love yourself. This is a quote by Teresa Collins. Remember that your journey is really about learning to love yourself and learning to get to know yourself better, perhaps through the inner verse, perhaps through your journey, your experiences that shape you to become who you are. But always remember, no matter what, that you are loved. See you next week on another episode of Project Loving Myself. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.